All right, it's New Year's Eve 2018. It's the last day of the year. And I made this episode on more of a personal, vulnerable note. But what I've learned is I love listening to podcasts and personal stories of people I look up to or people I learn from because I learn in the way that they've navigated something and I learn that I'm not alone in what I'm feeling. I learned so much from it and it's something I kind of like pack away with me and carry with me for courage and faith and reminders and all that good stuff. So I just felt compelled to share this with you and let you take from it what you need to carry with you in your new year. And as I'm going to share in this episode, New Year's Eve has a special meaning for me, something that's attached to my business and my calling and and having incredible faith. And one thing that New Year's Eve reminds me of is great transition. And I know some people have their feelings about, oh, it's not a new year, it's not a new you. But it can be. Any day, any moment can be a new year, new you. And I know that from my own radical transformation. So don't let anyone else tell you that bullshit. Because one thing I know is I study people that have had radical transformation. I've lived it myself. And I know what we are capable of when we trust. We trust those nudges to take those steps and to take that leap and to just say, well, this is highly illogical and I know it makes zero sense, but there's something in me that is just saying that this is a yes for me, that something on the other side of this is going to be magic. And that's how I've lived my life. And I suggest it. I really do suggest it. (laughs) Whatever your desires are, your desires are going to be different than mine. But I know that you're here on this podcast listening to me for a reason. There's no mistake there. There's something here for you. There's something here for me. There's a reason why we're doing this here together. And as we transition into this new year, I want to invite you into something a bit more personal. Because while I love sharing in this way, and my podcast right now is one of my favorite things to do. I love this. And by the way, I love when you share and tag me and do all those things because I shout you out. But I love to know what you got from the episode and like what you're enjoying and what you want to hear. So be sure in this new year to please let me know. I highly value those thoughts. So send them over my way. But before I go on with this episode, again, it was super vulnerable. I shared on Facebook that I had like a little vulnerability hangover after I recorded it, even though I knew you weren't going to be listening to it for a few days. So I'm putting it out there anyway, because one thing I've learned is to just live in this unapologetic way where I begin to just accept my humanness and to know that there is truly excellence and beauty, brilliance, all this good stuff that is magnetic when we can just share from the heart, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if we're not sure why we're sharing it, we're sharing it because we're all in this together. And I feel like we're called to show up for one another. When someone else is living a bold life, when someone else is doing radical shifts in their life, it inspires us. It has us look around and think, well, maybe me too. Why not me? And if you're not asking yourself, why not me yet? Let this be the day that you start. Why not me? No one is superior to you. No one's superior to me. No one's inferior to me. No one's inferior to you because there's only one of you. But I want you to live like that in the new year. So because I have this passion for helping women, and I work with some men too, but a lot of what I do is with women. I want you to remember that you are one of one. And I want you to explore what life would be if you lived from this place of there's no one else like me. There will never be another me. I got to use this magic up. I got to go all in with this. What would that be like? 
Well, let's explore it because I'm inviting you over to my New Year's program, Permission Granted. And it's not focused on the new year. It's focused on living your most bold and confident, unapologetic life. So we're looking at all the places where you unconsciously shrink down and say, not for me where you allow other people's desires and needs to go before your own, where you put other people on a pedestal, where you're not speaking your truth, where you're not asking for what you need, where you don't expect to get what you desire, and where you're settling in life. We're going to explore all of that in a really deep way. We're going to be looking at your emotional patterns, the way that you respond, your emotional triggers around all of these things. And by the end of this, you are going to be walking in a whole new way. Like your body language is going to shift, the way that you talk is going to shift, the way you look at yourself in the mirror and what you see is going to shift. All these things are going to shift. And not only that, you're going to have a team of badass women that have also joined in to say yes to this. And these women are going to be supporting you and loving on you, and so am I. Because in this group, there is individual support, even though it's group coaching. And I have to tell you, it's not no basic coaching. I don't do basic coaching. I do work that takes you beyond the intellect into the subconscious. We do work around embodiment. The things that we're going to do, it's going to move you into almost an altered state so that you can explore different parts of yourself, access things that you didn't even know that you could access. It's going to shake up your whole world in the most beautiful way. So I invite you to join us. We start on the 8th. Enrollment closes on January 7th. So get in. It's only once a year that this happens. And I want you there. So message me and let me know how I can support you or how my team can support you. Because I know if it's even speaking, if you even feel a little nudge anywhere in your body, that's like, I should be there. Yes, I'm ready to do this. Yes, I'm ready to strengthen my boundaries. Yes, I'm ready to speak my truth. Yes, I'm ready to live bold and say yes to whatever's on my heart. This is your time. Let me be your guide. Let me be your supporter because I want to just cheer you on and be a mirror for you so that you can shine because you deserve it. You are now listening to The Harmonious Hustle, where we redefine what it means to be a woman on fire. I'm Nicole Sylvester, best-selling author and success coach for boss babes ready to make bold moves. In this podcast, we'll discuss all things purpose, pleasure, and profits. You should know, I am obsessed with sparking unrealistic upgrades in your life and business. It's my true intention to convince you to say, hell yes, to your wildest dreams. If you and I haven't connected yet, I would love to hear from you. Let's connect on Instagram. And while you're there, be sure to check out my free Money Energetics training series. Scope my page while you're there for other freebies and support. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. All right, guys. So I am giving you some vulnerable moments here. Holy shift moments. Love, success, failures, and fuck it moments. 2018. 2018 has been a wild year. And you know what? I asked myself, like, should I share a recap? Do do my people even want that? So you got to let me know if you like these things or not, right? It's not like I'm going to do a recap all the time, but sometimes I just want to share lessons on how to help you grow. But oftentimes we learn from hearing other people share what they went through. It reminds us to A, take the chances, to B, ask the questions. I'm just making up A, Bs, and Cs, but it reminds us. 
that we're human and that we have this potential. And, you know, sometimes when I listen to other people's recaps and things that they've gone through, it just reminds me like, Hey, what I'm doing is actually accurate. Or maybe I could go a little bit more. Maybe I could, could take bigger risk. Maybe I can live in a bolder. Yes. So I hope this does that for you. And you can also see that I'm human and I have all these things, all these fears too. I have all this stuff, but I also have lots of courage and it's something that I have to lean into. And even when it's not comfortable, it's a muscle that I've learned how to flex it even when I don't want to. So let's get into this. One thing I want to let you know about New Year's Eve is that it's not just a special day because it's New Year's Eve to me. I mean, New Year's Eve for me has been a sort of melancholy kind of feeling. Does anyone else ever feel like that? You know, it's like you, you go and get the outfits, make the special plans, places are sold out, they're charging more money, and then 11.59 hits, and you do the five, four, three, two, one. There's like the kiss or the hugs or the confetti. People are drunk. It's obnoxious. And I would always just kind of be like, what's the point of this? What am I doing with myself? And, you know, as someone with a background in nightclubs, we always said it was like amateur night, right? Like everybody goes out and people drink way too much. And I think a lot of it is numbing. So nevertheless, New Year's started taking a new shape for me, having a new vibe when I found silent meditation retreats on New Year's and going into that whole ceremony. It changed my life. I wrote about it in my book, but I love it. This year I'm doing something different. I'm going to a retreat center here in Massachusetts, not here in Pennsylvania, but East Coast, rather than flying out to LA. And I'm going to try something different. I'm going to a sonic sound bath meditation retreat. So just a lot of sound bathing for two days. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But one thing I want to tell you about New Year's is fill yourself up before you go out and go unconscious if you are going out to nightclubs and all that. And look, I like it. I had mimosa yesterday. I had a glass of wine the night before. And it's just, we do go somewhat unconscious. So we're not in our fullest power when we're drinking or using drugs. So we just want to fill ourselves up in the way that we need to ask the questions of how do we want to feel in the new year? How do you want to feel? And rather than picking a bunch of goals, what I do, because I know the universe's life is full of surprises. I didn't plan 70% of the things that are on here <laughs> on this day that I'm going to share with you, this list. But you pick one big stretch thing. You pick one big thing that's like, oh, this is going to make me uncomfortable. My heart's kind of beating fast. I feel a little bit crazy. I don't know. I want you to pick one big thing like that. What's it going to be? And let life surprise you the other way because you're just living from a place of, I want to express my, my potential because you have so much potential and life is going to surprise you. So let's get into some of my surprises and see how this goes. So first, I rang in the new year at that retreat I told you in Joshua Tree. And when I looked out in the 2019, or excuse me, 2018, all I felt was this. This is going to be the year of my first book and there's going to be some big changes. I didn't know what that looked like. I knew that it was going to be year, a year that I was more willing to speak my truth and to ask for what I need. I also knew that it was going to be a year where I began to take better care of myself physically, 
because in 2017, all I did was focus on making money and, and getting my business to pop. And it did, but eating healthfully and working out besides, you know, the random soul cycle went out the window. So I just knew it was a year to be more in the space of self-care, self-love, and to nurture myself as I prepared for something that was big and uncomfortable. So January was a, a month of breakdowns for me, actually. January 2018, I had a beautiful month in terms of client work. I had my permission granted group, which, hello, guys, it's coming up again this year. And we had a beautiful transformation in that group. I mean, I love the group. We kicked it off. There were people that were talking about working with me for the entire year and even more before. And they finally joined this group and they had really big transformation. So that set my soul on fire. I just felt like I really grounded in to, of course, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I loved that start. But at the end of January, that group ended and I had this kind of open moment of no client groups. And I committed to wrapping up the final edits of my book. And in those final edits, when I talk about edits, I'm going to do a podcast on what it took to write a book and how to write your book and all those things. But, and let me know if that's something you want, because I like to hear what you want. But when I was finishing these final edits, I had to go back to those places I kind of skimmed over because it was uncomfortable. And I had to really do the details. I had to bring the reader in. I had to, I had to paint the picture. So I was doing that around the rape. If you read the book, the, the time that I escaped the house and when I had to go back to the house after the murder. And when I was writing about those things, my entire body was like back there. It's so profound. Our bodies, our minds, we are so complex. And just like we talk about embodiment and let's embody the pleasure, let's embody the safety, let's embody the unconditional love. I consciously chose to embody other things for the sake of writing a good book and really bringing the reader in. And I got to tell you for, for a few weeks, like in the beginning of February, what I felt like, I felt like I was living back as Nikki, as Nikki, who was suffering with drug addiction, was suffering in abusive relationships, who didn't know how to make money, who was living on welfare. I mean, I felt like I was Nikki. So February was really hard for me. February, February was really hard because what it felt like for me was I did all this work and somehow it's like I backtracked emotionally, energetically. And, you know, I guess it was a sacrifice for the sake of the book. And in doing that, I also had some breakdowns while writing the book. January and February, you know, it felt kind of dark knowing that this book, these pieces had to be done. And in February, I just allowed myself, I allowed myself to go there. And in going there, I had to also take on new ways of healing, commit to, you know, doing different kinds of work on myself, going to different kinds of events, breath work, energy healings, um, more massages, things like that. And I needed more downtime than ever. So it's funny, I worked less in 2018. And thankfully, I made more money than in 2017. But it wasn't all, you know, rainbows and stuff like that. So in February, I had this breakdown. And I remember sitting on my bedroom floor. I was sitting on my bedroom floor next to my bed, 
sometimes you just have to go to the floor, like the bed, the chair, it ain't working. You just got to take yourself down to the floor and lay there, roll there, cry, scream, pray, whatever you need to do. Do you, do you know that feeling? Cause I know it pretty well. And I kept having these lights flickering in my bathroom, in my bedroom bathroom and in my bedroom. I have this little light that's behind artwork. So it was in two rooms and the lights just kept flickering and flickering all day and night. And when that was happening, I had this feeling of like, what is this? So I ended up reaching out to one of my clients who was also, she's also a medium and I never call mediums, but I, at this time I just felt like I had to. So I call her and she's like, okay, it's, it's a woman. She's young. She died young. It was tragic, unexpected. And she wants to remind you to be courageous and let you know that you can do this. She didn't know what I was even going through. I mean, I was not publicly sharing all of this at the time. And um, I knew it was my friend, Beth. So it was crazy. So I, I just took what she told me. I sat with it. I started asking for guidance. And I started asking, why am I really writing this book? Is it because I want to be acknowledged? Is it because I want to make money? Is it because I want to be famous? Like, what is it? Because I don't know if it's worth this level of suffering <laughs> and uncomfortable feelings and, you know, and I felt like I didn't want people to know me as Nikki. I like this version of Nicole, the version of Nicole that was empowered and making bold moves and took no shit and spoke her truth. I didn't want to talk about Nikki. Nikki was scared. Nikki was letting people treat her like shit. Nikki was lost. Nikki didn't know what the hell she was doing. She's doing bad things. And that day, in those cries, in those breakdowns, I got the answers I needed because what I found out was that while I will benefit from this book in beautiful ways and while I am the one that's suffering and writing it and spending all the money to do it and, you know, slowed down my own income and brought up my own fears because I was like, I'm not bringing anyone in to hold the space for them while I'm like this, you know, I, I have to act in integrity in that way. And what I realized was that I'm writing this book for other people stop making it about me. That was one of the biggest lessons I learned. Stop making it about me. This is for other people. And other people, they need me to share all these things because if I go through and sugarcoat and leave out the uncomfortable parts, well, who, that's not going to serve the people, that, the women that really need this, the women that are in those depths of their own hell. I need to share when I was in the depths of my own hell and I'll be okay. I'll be okay doing it. I had to trust. So I decided, you know, the book is on. And it's kind of funny. Like you would think like after spending nearly two years on a book, about $12,000 in editors and hiring a new editor and, you know, graphics and all this stuff that you would be like, hell yeah, the book's going to be done. But there was a period, a couple of days where I just wasn't sure if it was the right idea or if I should do it or if it was, you know, I was just confused. So I learned that lesson. Now at the same time, you know, like maybe late February of leaning into all of this, I also had something really personal going on. And when I say personal, all of this stuff is personal, but it was in my love life. And there was someone that I dated for, and it was off and on thing. And it was off and on for almost two years, I think. Oh no, it was a year. It was a year. It was over a year, but I can't remember how long because it was off and on. But what happened was this person, it was like something that was really 
deep and intense and beautiful. And then it dissolved and then it came back. And it was like this mind fuckery, heart fuckery, if that's a thing. But while we could both acknowledge that we both loved each other and there was all of that, we wanted different things. We were at different times in our life with different needs. And in that moment, I learned to not to hold on to something that wasn't being reciprocated or where my needs were not being met, right? Like in the past, what I would have done has been like, well, right now this is serving this many needs. It's really great sex. I'm getting my, you know, emotional needs met most of the time, um, you know, but I just, you know, and this person needs something else. Maybe I should just spiritual bypass all of this and say, hmm, let me just pretend that we can just be in this place of unconditional love and that I can, I can deal. I should, I shouldn't feel this way. I can be an acceptance of what he needs, but no, I decided to be different. I decided that what I needed was super important and I can totally respect what he needs, but we have different needs. And the way that that dissolved was not the best way. And it really sucked. It sucked. Funny enough, uh, this person and I, we just reconnected in a way that was just super short and sweet, but just making peace with each other. So that was really beautiful. But in that space, I learned to lovingly let go and trust that while this was 75% beautiful, there's a 100% beautiful out there. There's something that's fully there. And that I want to let go of anything that's not the 100. So that was just something I felt. And I did it. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. So when we do that, it feels good. It's a boundary, right? So that was like my badass moment of in my love life that I was like, yes, this feels really good. So that happened. And moving on, the next month I decided what am I going to do? The book is done. This other thing's out of the way. I'm making space for like surprises in life. I had up until May 17th to get my book actually ready to go to print. And I decided at that time that I wanted to invest in more growth. So I ended up joining a mastermind and I had only been in like masterminds that are basically free or you pay an entrance fee to just go to one event. But I was ready for like to play at a bigger game with people that are really doing big things. So I joined Chris Harder's mastermind and I'll tell you more about, you know, the ins and outs of that because I'm going to have Chris on in a few weeks. And I love Chris and Lori Harder. If you don't know them, you should go follow them. But I just love their energy. And we went to Soul Cycle on Tuesdays together. I actually sat next to them at a Tony Robbins event randomly. And that's where I met them. So I just decided I'm going to join this. It feels good. It's right in LA. They live in LA and I joined and I met really amazing people and I'm still to this day, nurturing those relationships in that and in learning so much and being inspired by them. So that was a really beautiful, that was a really beautiful moment of the year. And what I did in that group was prepared for when my book was coming out and it was, it was like waiting for this moment of, 
wow, all of this, all of me is going to be out there, right? So what I did is I booked a vacation for Chanel and I for April, and I booked it right before something else that was really big that was happening. So Chanel and I went to Disney World and then a Disney cruise in the Bahamas, which was freaking amazing, by the way. And it was kind of a dream because I told Chanel, Chanel always wanted to go on a Disney cruise. And I told her, not going on a cruise until I can have the balcony. And if you know the balcony, it's like the most priciest, it's the priciest thing on there. And Disney cruise in, its, in itself is one of the higher priced cruises. So we got to do it the way that I wanted to do it. Not worrying about any prices of anything. Just go and like indulge in all the things. And it was an amazing trip. And during that trip, I let myself go to relax because I knew I had something big and scary coming up. And what was big and scary wasn't the book quite yet, but it was this big event that I was speaking at, the Truth Teller event. And what was big w- about it was it was my first big stage in the Alex Theater in Glendale. And it's that video. Well, I just shared my speaker reel. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. But it's the video of me in the yellow dress with the purple background. This is Truth Teller. And that was scary. That was one of my scary fuck it moments because I was like, oh my gosh. I've only spoken at little stages. I do my own live events, but like, what if I walk out there and I just feel like disoriented and pass out? What if I walk out there and I fall? What if I walk out there and have an anxiety attack? (laughs) So these are the crazy things that come up when you're like living in your bold yes. But yeah, you know you're human in the sphere. So anyway, we get back from our trip. The event comes up. I was excited slash scared and I rocked it. Could it have been better? Fuck yes. It's always, it always can be better, but I was glad I did it. And right after that, what it felt like was a whirlwind until my book release, which was, you know, in, in May, May 17th, which is also my birthday. So one thing that I kind of skipped over, so I'm going to backtrack because you guys know that I do my podcast, with no editing. So bear with me. Something that I did, which was one of the fuck it moments. What the day that I pressed send and sent my editor the final edit of my book. And I was like, I'm done. Not touching this thing again. I actually went home and I had this insight, this feeling like I should go to Bali. And then while I'm looking up the Bali hashtag browsing, do hashtag browse. I go on the Instagram and just browse hashtags for like places I want to eat at or travel to or things I want to buy. And when I did that, I realized I should take other people. I should lead a retreat in Bali. So I picked the dates. I picked the date and I had no idea I was going to do it. I'd never even been to Bali before. I was like, all right, I'm going to grow. I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I did. I set the dates and that happened. So backing it back up to where we just were in May, I was just getting ready for my book to come out. And geez, there was just so many emotions, so many emotions. I decided to do a giveaway for the book to make my book a bestseller. Because I knew people were going to ride my, buy my book. My book is not the average book. It's really juicy. And, you know, I have awesome people that support me. So I knew people would buy it. But I wanted people to buy it within a certain time frame. And I love doing giveaways on my birthday and Christmas. So this just happens to also be my book release date. So we did a giveaway to my Bali retreat. Gave away space there. And I gave away, I think, like 200 bucks or something like that. But we did that. And that felt really good. So I was just promoting that, promoting my book. And on May 17th, when I woke up, I was like, holy shit, 
people had actually already bought the book because it went on sale the day before on Amazon. And I didn't know that, but people were like, oh my God, I already bought your book. I was like, whoa, <laughs> it's already out. But on May 17th, I woke up and my friend Annabelle came and picked me up and we went over to Good Morning La La Land where I had an interview. was nervous about that, but I rocked it. And when I looked back, I still love that interview. I did great. And um, my book hit bestseller when we were at brunch at the Montage in Beverly Hills right after that. And it was like, I can still remember what it felt like. I had a little tear. It was so beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. And it actually happened. And it's bestseller now. And, you know, I sold my book at full price. And I actually sold my book for $26 for the first five months, four or five months. And everyone was like, not everyone, I should take it back. There were several people that told me, you know, I don't think your book should be more than $20. I felt like this. I spent $12,000 on this book. I shared the most like raw and vulnerable parts of me. If someone wants to read this stuff about me, they can spend $26. So it was really amazing because my, my royalties checks were pretty high for that. So it was just this beautiful experience of trusting myself, saying, holy shit, the whole time, but doing it anyway. Doing it anyway. <clears throat> can you do that in your life. Like, I want you to notice where it's like a roller coaster, which is funny because I don't even like roller coasters, but it feels like a roller coaster because you're like, oh my God, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable, but I'm doing it anyway. And you just scream or do whatever you need to do. So that day, that night was like the best party of my life, which my friend Leisha Fox, she threw this party for me and had it at this restaurant bar in West Hollywood and the Phoenix and had all of these friends come and they made me a cake that was shaped like my book. If you ever see that big O shift, the book cover that hangs up in my office, it's a birthday card with everyone signed it. I mean, it was so, it was a dream. Like it was a dream. It was a highlight of my whole life, not even just 2018. Felt so loved and supported and um, it was just beautiful. So that was amazing. So here's where it got like a little bit crazy again, is that the day after my birthday, I decided, well, I already booked it, but I was going to take myself on this luxurious solo trip to Hawaii. I love Hawaii. Um, I love specifically, I loved Oahu. Um, I just decided I was going to go to the Royal Hawaiian, which is my favorite hotel when I would go there before. So I booked this luxurious stay like in the oceanfront tower and um, you know, all the spa treatments, all the nice restaurants, went hiking, did all these things. And I thought, what better way to nurture and love myself while hundreds of people are reading my book? <laughs> and because that's a very vulnerable thing. So I went there and it was great. It was super distracting for a few days. I drank all the pineapple drinks and sunbathed and, you know, did all those things. And then what happened was, I started getting messages from people and they're like, Oh my God, your book reminds me of my life. Oh my God, your book reminds me of this. Oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. And it felt like I just became so energetically sensitive that I felt like I was dispersed. I don't know how to explain it because it just felt like I was dispersed and that all these people were experiencing me while I was just hanging out in Hawaii. So when I got back to LA, I had this like crash where I just didn't want to deal with anyone. I just wanted to be by myself. And it was bad timing to feel like that because I get back and the next day I have to go to Mexico for my friend's bachelorette party. And I just didn't want to go. 
not because my friend, of course, but like, I just felt like I'm processing this like vulnerability overload. And I go down to Mexico and what happens is we go wine tasting and dance and do all these things. And I end up getting so sick. Like, I mean, my throat is so sore. I'm just so weak. And it's time for the mastermind retreat. You know, I said I signed up for that mastermind. Well, the thing about this mastermind is three times a year, you have these super luxurious but super intensive weekends together. So I didn't have to fly anywhere, but I had to go show my face in front of all these people that I never really met in real life and go put on a face like, I'm doing amazing. I'm amazing. My business is amazing. Of course, life is great. And I felt like shit. I felt like shit. I just wanted to hide. Like, you ever have those feelings where when you're looking at someone's eyes, you don't want to look them in the eyes because you feel like there's something to hide? Yeah, I, feel, I do that when I feel like shit. I really don't want to look at anyone. <laughs> I just want to, like, go in my bed. And I was just having that feeling. So what I did was just took Advil. By the way, I do not recommend this, but this is how I got through it. I took Advil, drank coffee. So I'm taking Advil, drinking coffee, and getting through the days, listening to all the speakers. I got inspired. And funny enough, I got inspired to start this podcast, listening to Sahara Rose, who came through. She's going to be on the podcast in February. Um, she came through into the mastermind, was talking about the different doshas, and she talked about her podcast, which is one of the top podcasts. And she talks about how she started it, and it was like super low budget. And I was like, you know, I got more stuff to say. I don't want to write another book right now. Let me start the podcast. So made a decision that, A, I was starting a podcast. Um, but when I left that, like it was the second day of that mastermind, I couldn't even go to dinner with everyone. I was so sick. Like I felt like I had mono again. I didn't know what the hell. I was like, I feel like I'm dying. It was crazy, guys. I called my friend Annabelle, who was also on this podcast. And I tell her, I was like crying to her. I was like, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm sick and I feel scared. Like, I don't know what's wrong. And she comes over the way that she does. This is why I love her. She comes over. She makes me some chicken soup, like throws everything on and then gets it to the point where it's done. And then she's like, okay, let's go to the ER. You need to go to the ER. So she takes me to the ER. I get all this blood work done. They do a, a CAT scan of my sinuses because I had like really bad sinus headaches and I was so congested. And here's the funny thing. They do all this. I feel like I'm dying. They come back. Everything's back. Everything's fine. Everything's coming up clear. And I was like, what? So we're laughing because it's, it's Annabelle and she understands this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my God, spiritual sickness. I have a spiritual sickness. <laughs> so here's what happened is, I don't know, upper limit or just a purging of all the shit that I kept inside and hid from people for ever. It was all out. It was all out. And my body, and if, if you know how our physical bodies work, holds on to things. So they give me they tell me to do this nasal spray and some other BS. I don't even know, but I go home like laughing at myself and I have one more day of the mastermind left, like a half a day or I forget. I had something left and I just like, let me get through this. And what happened after the mastermind, as my body continued to heal and do its thing, I realized that I was chasing stuff. Like I was, I was trying to do too much. 
my book just went out and I didn't give it the credit that it needed in terms of how much it required of me to, to write that kind of book and to put those things in there. And I needed time and space for processing. I needed more alone time. So that's what I did. So I gave myself that and I decided that I was going to leave the mastermind, which is kind of crazy. But the mastermind had so many people in there that needed my support and that like if someone asked me for help, then I was going to give it to them and I wanted to promote their things and support their things. And it just felt like a lot for me. So I was just like, I need to be more inward and just focus on my relationship like with spirit. So I decided that everything else that I was going to do was going to be investing in my growth, my inner world, my inner world growth versus like outside business strategy and stuff like that. So the next thing that was going on was my book tour. I had to strengthen up for my book tour. My book tour was something that also scared the hell out of me because I thought who wants to come and sign my book or, or who wants me to come and sign? <laughs> who wants me to sign their book? Like who wants to hear about me writing my book? Like I had all of these narratives, which is bullshit. But I'm sharing with you guys the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So you can hang with this. So I remember actually being on the beach in Hawaii, talking to my assistant, Natalie, and getting so excited about, oh, my God, I'm doing a book tour. She made the graphics. She set the date. She was booking all the things. And then I had this, like, kickback moment, this moment of wanting to shrink where I thought, I don't know. Do you think this is too much? thought about how much money it was going to cost, how much time it was going to take me to, like, I wasn't going to be able to have any private clients. I mean, A lot of last year, a lot of this year, I didn't have private clients, which was interesting. And right now I'm taking a few private clients, but I didn't take them much in 2018. And I think it's going to shift some more. We'll see. But I remember like I had to basically take this month just to give it to to the tour that was in June. So I went to LA and did my first event. It was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. But I also had a lot of uncomfortable feelings around it, right? Like, oh my God, this is real. And I also went to Denver, which was really beautiful. It's funny. I have a a decent following in Denver. I don't know why, but Denver, shout out to you people in Colorado. I love you. And I went to Philly, which is where I live now. At the time, I didn't. We'll get to that story. And in Philly, it was like so beautiful because we sold all the tickets, I think, besides one. We had space for 30. And... There wasn't even like enough mats for like everyone. We had to start using blankets and stuff. I mean, it was awesome. And then I went to New York and New York was hard. New York was hard because I didn't really love the space I got. It was the only space I was really willing to invest in. So I was getting quoted like $1,500 for two hours space. And I was like, nope, not happening. And I had the smallest turnout. So it made me feel like, oh. so I had to go back to this, this feeling of give yourself some fucking grace. You just wrote this book. This is your first book. You just decided to take a risk and do your own book tour. You fully funded your own book tour. Like, be proud of yourself. So I was like navigating all of that. And Chanel and Pablo came with me on the tour. They flew to the East Coast with me and we traveled by train and got hotels. So it was a whole adventure. It was really awesome. And that really felt like a success. And the cool thing was then I started having clients that came in and then I did radical shifts, which is my June program. So I do permission granted in January and I do radical shifts in June. And in June, we had an awesome group. We had an awesome group. And that's really, we did all of that until I got into going to Bali. 
And on July 11th, I flew out to Bali. And I got to Bali and it was super luxurious. I booked this um, beautiful place in Nusa Dua, the Laguna. And I stayed there by myself. It was amazing. But then that night, I woke up to a text at one in the morning, Bali time. And it was, I was in a daze because I had just flown, you know, like 26 hours or some craziness and got to this beautiful place. I mean, I get on the beach, I drank a beer, ate, ate some food and got a massage and went to bed. And I wake up and it says, Hey, I don't want you to hear this anywhere else. Like, call me. I got to tell you, like, Sean's dead. And I was like, what? It was a freaking nightmare. Like, I call up my friend and I find out that somebody that I just really love so much. And if you read my book, I even give him a shout out in the beginning of my book. He was stabbed and killed. It was super tragic. And I just could not believe that he was gone in the way that he was gone. And I mean, it just was just threw me for such a loop. And I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be home. I was in Bali. It seemed super foreign, super far away. And the other thing was that like, I had to get my shit together because I had a group of women coming for me to facilitate a retreat. And for any of you guys that are coaches, especially if you're a new coach or even if it's something you haven't done before, like a big event or something like that, like you have to have a strong container. You have to be in a strong place because it is very energetically taxing. And it feels amazing. It will light you up, but also you need to be in the right place for it. And finding out that somebody that I loved dearly like is no longer with us and the way that it happened, I just wasn't ready. So I, I'm going to Ubud and in Ubud, which is like in the jungle, it's like two hours away from Nusadua. I get there and I chose this hotel that was super jungle-ish, right? I wanted to be in the jungle because I wanted not just the luxury experience. I wanted to feel like, what's it like in the Bali jungle? So I stay at this place, um, Hotel Champuan, if I'm saying it correctly. And I have this place that was just too freaking (laughs) jungle-like. Like I had them change my room three times. I wanted to cry. I get to my hotel and when you check in in Bali, they bring you like welcome drinks and in these like cold towels because it's hot and humid there. And the Laguna place gave me this drink and towel and everything was amazing. But when I get to this hotel in Ubud, they give me the towel and I just put it on my face and neck and it stinks. And I was like, I wanted to puke it. I was just like, I just want to go home. I'm like heartbroken and I just want to go home. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing is I had to learn to self-soothe like nobody's business. And what I learned in that time of being in Ubud, and in Ubud, like my internet was not as good. I didn't have the butler that I had when I was in Nusa Dua. And, you know, all I heard of was this place called Yoga Barn. And this place, Yoga Barn, was like a refuge of all these yoga places. And it was very healing. So I just desperately, like, I was in my room and I cried and I just realized, like, I can't leave. And if I didn't have a retreat coming, I would have no doubt booked a flight and just been flying home because I would have just felt like I just needed to go home. Like, and not that going home would have solved anything, but it was just me wanting to, like, reach for my blankie. But because I couldn't, I had to dig deeper. So 
I look up this website and I see that there's Kirtan. So I find Kirtan. I love Kirtan. It's devotional chanting. If you're coming to Harmonious Hustle, you'll learn more about the power of sound and the healing that it's had in my body and in my life and why it's something I do as a success practice. But I go to Kirtan. I start walking and I realize this as far as hell. It's like an hour and a half walk. <laughs> and I, I don't even know. I get to, to Yoga Barn and I had my first moment in like two days of laughter and dancing and liberation. And I remember why this practice is so powerful. And the guy that's leading it was this man, Punu Wasu. And the funny thing is now I'm going back to Bali in a month to, to learn from him. So I get there and I just remember that this whole week that I have before the women come, that I just have to dedicate myself to finding freedom through these practices, through the meditations, through the yoga, through the crying, the screaming, whatever I need to do, but I need to self-soothe. And every time I felt like I just want to go home, I just want to be with Chanel. I just want to hug my dog. I just want to be with people I love. I just had to come back home to my own love, to my own power. And it was so freaking crazy. Like it was the most powerful thing I could do. But guys, it didn't stop there, the craziness. Because when the retreat happened, wow, some things went wrong. And my ego did not like that. I would say that that felt like, such a failure in my like wanting it to be perfect and wanting it to be like amazing mind what happened with the retreat was like someone couldn't come because their passport was about to expire in two months and we didn't know and I invited a friend to assist me rather than having an actual assistant come and she said she could do it and you know we agreed on it and she wasn't ready for it and there was someone else that came on the retreat and, you know, she just was coming. She was expecting it to be Nikki. And she wanted to drink and do all these things. And the work was too much for her. We did really deep work in Bali. And I have to tell you guys, like, I mean, you guys, if you guys know me in my, my everyday, you know, teaching, imagine if we're in some place like Peru or Bali, we're going deep. And some of the things that we did, it was just really intense for her. And, um, there was a lot of growth. So there was a lot of learning, boundaries, speaking my truth, coming home to self. And it was beautiful. So at the end of this retreat, I mean, it was, it was beautiful. The women are still enjoying their breakthroughs from that retreat. And I loved it because what happened to me is I decided I was going to move back home. I don't know what it was, if it was the combination of my daughter asking that we move back home while I was away. My daughter literally was like, I want to move back to Pennsylvania and be closer to family, whether you want to go or not. And that was devastating. I was like, Oh my God, my friend just, I, my friend just died. I'm in Bali. And now my daughter is asking me these things. And I was just like, who the hell am I? And what am I going through? But here's what I know about life is that life will feed you the medicine that you need. Right. That's one of the things I always say. And I just was there ready to drink. I was ready to drink. I knew it was painful. I was like being cracked open. But I knew to embrace what was being fed to me or to suffer even greater. So what I decided, like in the last two days of being in Bali, was that I was going to move across the country. It wasn't in my budget, knowing that that is a pricey move. Um, I didn't know where I was going to move to. And I love LA. 
I love LA. Even as I, as I record this right now in my place and I have a beautiful place here. Um, I love LA. I think about LA all the time. I miss being there in a lot of ways, but I remind myself to come back home and be present. So the funny thing is with that day, with that decision, I made a conscious like, yes, to building a relationship with my mother. And as you guys know, then my mom ended up dying two months after I moved here. So we, we got back home. Chanel was in Pennsylvania. She flew to LA. I flew from Bali to LA. We met back up. We spent, I don't know, two, three weeks getting things ready. And then we moved across country, drove across country and that was an intense drive, driving in a U-Haul, driven across country a few times. I've moved across country multiple times because I'm like a, a nomad at heart. I like to be back and forth, right? Like I like that. So, but my daughter, she doesn't, she's over it now. She wants to be more in one place. So we move, we get here all is well, like all is really well. I really love it here in the spring and the summer. It was super green. I was liking all of the, you know, the the greenery compared to living in LA. I lived at the beach, but other than that, it's a city. And even where there's open space, like let's say we go to Runyon Canyon or Leone's like trails, it's kind of dry. It's not like lush, lush green like it here is, is in Pennsylvania. So anyway, we go, we do this and all is well, but then I get that text again. And I get the text again because my phone, I sleep with my phone on silent. And I get a text from my brother after he called like 10 times because he was staying with my mom and my mom died. And it was like, wow, in a few months, in a few months, I had two people I love die. Like, you know, it shook up, it shook up so much for me. And I'm sure all of you guys can attest to this who have lost someone recently or someone you really love. Like I was living in this place of certainty like I felt like I had so much control of my life even though I know I don't but it was like one of those things of like I was just manifesting all sorts of things and I just felt good like life was like steady getting better 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 then I felt like I was just losing people I loved and it just threw me off but I learned how powerful it is something I already know but just a reminder of when you're called to do something it's not going to make sense. Like it logically did not make sense for me to move to Pennsylvania. I was like, I already moved there before. I wanted to move back. But something in me told me to build this relationship with my mom, to, to rebuild it, to nurture it. And we did. We had some nice times, like really beautiful times, unlike any other times while I was here. So I was grateful for that. And after all of that, I, I hired my coach. We started working together in the fall. Tim's story, who you're going to hear from him in a week or two on this podcast. He's amazing. And he helped support me. I also had my first round of haters, like real haters, like to the throat. And what I learned in that was, wow, it was a former client, someone that actually won something from me. I, I gave away a $1,200 program and she was one of the winners. And I didn't even know that she was this upset. I didn't even know about any of these things. And it was so devastating. She had a gang of people, like four other women. They all were like coming at me all different ways, leaving bad reviews and all sorts of things. And it was just so painful. Cause I'm like, why can't you just call me? Why can't you just talk to me? I'm reasonable. But 
I learned that shit happens. And I learned that why am I letting someone else's opinion do this? Why would I, why would I do that? And after I cried it all out and, you know, I felt like I, I, it was like a rite of passage that I needed to do that. Cause I had to start asking like, okay, as I step into a space of being even more visible and writing more books and sharing these things, of course, there's going to be people that come attack me and people that don't like what I have to say and people that try to throw me under the bus and create stories and narratives. And you know what? I had to get to this point of like, your opinion is irrelevant here. I'm here to do big things. And unless I'm, unless you're someone that I am supporting in some way and you're asking me to support you, like if I'm not helping you, my, your opinion is irrelevant. I don't care if you're on the sidelines bitching about something or you're on the sidelines talking about what I'm not doing good enough or you think you know who I am or you're making assumptions. Fuck it. I'm not here for you. So it helped me dig deeper. I mean, this year was a year of digging deeper. That's for sure. And if you ask to grow, you never know how it's going to come. So that happened. And I felt like I just moved into this new place of not giving a fuck and showing up in a new way. And then with my mom dying, it just clarified so much. And I actually led my mom's, um, I should add this, is I led my mom's service, which was pretty intense. So I was grateful, though, that I got to say so much and to, to support her in that way and to, and to do that for her. So I really just had to find my way back to life after losing my mom. And then being in Pennsylvania, like, whoa, this is my life. And my mom's not here anymore. And I don't have a relationship with my other family members. So I do have my grandmother, who I talk to from time to time. So that's a blessing. But I was just like, what am I doing? What am I here to do? And then one of the things that I would consider a lesson and a fail was I started a membership that I felt like people need this. And I have felt that people need it because I have people that have joined multiple programs of mine, the $1,000 programs of mine. And they love meditating with me. And here's what I know about meditation. Meditation has changed my life. And when we do meditation daily and we start at least on Mondays with meditations, it's life-changing. But when I did it, what I realized with the participation levels and how much work it took on the back end, and I looked at where my team was spending their time and the money that I was investing in my team and the things that I still needed to do. And most importantly, the things that really lit me up and excited me the membership had to go. And it was like not even a month of it being live. And I just decided there's this little feeling that I'm, that I know that was like, no, this is a no for you. This is a no. But then my ego was like, yeah, but you just started it. Like, like, let's build it. Let's do it. And then I, I was like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to rip the bandaid, the bandage off. That's something I've gotten really good at is knowing that this thing isn't for me anymore. And can I let it go loving and gracefully, just like I did, like I told you with the relationship and like I've learned to do with a bunch of things in my life. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting that I want to share with you guys, just because it was like a wow and I've shared all these things is, remember how I told you I, I left the mastermind? Well, the mastermind, I, kind of, I had some regrets about leaving it. So I was like, I don't know. I still love these people that are in there. And like, we still have a relationship. And I, I missed having that community. But then what happened was the next mastermind retreat, the next and last one of the new year, 
I mean, of the, of the year, I, it actually fell on my mom's funeral. My mom's funeral was that weekend. So I was like, wow, I guess maybe a part of me back then knew that that was going to happen. Who knows? But isn't that cool? <laughs> so it was like crazy, cool, fascinating, weird, bizarre. I don't know. I believe that everything happens, you know, for a reason. And that, that was something there. So one thing that I am proud of and that I think is a success and I'm already considering it a success by the way that people have been buying tickets and the feedback and just by the excitement in my heart is saying yes to harmonious hustle live, the big event. It's a big investment. It's a lot of time. Um, it's in a different city. So you don't have to fly there and be there. And I love LA, so it's all good. But I had this event here in Pennsylvania and it was called divinity rising. And I really wanted to go deep with women. Like I didn't want to do this little 90 minute event that I usually do for 30 bucks. I want to have like a really deep dive and I charge like 333 bucks. And I had the ladies all day. We did like meditation, breath work. We did some practices. We did a, a performance. We had lunch and it was deep and I loved it. But what I realized when I was driving down there, I was like, I should have a big event. And then, then I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for the big event yet. Not yet. Too much. Not yet. Funny thing is it kept coming to me. Harmonious hustle, harmonious hustle. And then I decided that I should rebrand my podcast and like coin this term because I love this term and have the big event. So I said yes, and I felt scared yet excited and so ready. And since I've said yes, it's been on my mind every day. I love it. I'm so excited about it. So if you haven't booked your ticket yet, you got to come. Get a group of women that love to do this kind of work and come because the first day we're going to be wearing, you know, the the workout clothes, the, the yoga clothes, going to be super comfortable. There's sound baths and breath work and feminine movement and hand holding and praying, crying, whatever. It's going to feel amazing. And then day two is the day where you really tap into your boldest self, your alter ego, the one that is like unapologetic and is strong boundaries and super boss babe. Like that's it. So that is going to be day two. So I would say you got to come, you got to come. And the advanced pricing ends on the third. So if you can buy it before then do it, there's a few spaces left for uh, the VIP experience, which is where you'll come and have hot, uh, afternoon tea with me at the peninsula in Beverly Hills, which is super luxe experience. And we're going to talk about your intentions for the event and how to make the most of it. And just mastermind and love on each other and build relationships and all that stuff. So moving on to the new year, what am I looking at when I think about this new year and all these lessons I've learned is just to keep trusting and keep stretching. You know, there's going to be things where I don't understand how it's going to happen or if I can do it. But I'm just going to keep trusting that, yes, it's for me. Yes, I can do it. I'm already coded for this. So where are you? And just like last year, I asked what was that big thing I was going to do that was exciting and stretchy. It was my book and book tour. Well, this year, it's Harmonious Hustle Live. Having that event, getting the people there, um, that is is a big stretch. It's going to be like a freaking performance. I mean, speaking for two days straight and holding that space for two days like that. It's not in a retreat setting. 
Um, retreats can be that way, but retreats, there's also lots of healing and things that are happening for me. This is going to be big. So I'm going into this year thinking and feeling that I'm just ready to, to surrender even more, to trust even more, to look for where I'm limiting myself, to spend time with people that are even doing bigger things, to believe in myself and be my own champion even more so. And to really pour all that love into my daughter, into my clients who, that choose me to be a champion for them as well. And I'm just looking forward to more love, more joy, more laughter. And I'm just ready for all of it. So I, I hope that this reminded you. I just had a second guess as I said that, like, damn, is this too much? Should I even put this podcast out? <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit intimate, right? But I, I'm sharing it because I want you to also be in a space of recognizing that I'm human. I have all of my own stuff and that whatever you are thinking about doing, you might be scared. Just say, fuck it. Just do it. Just do it. Life is going to support you through it. Whether you have to learn lessons or you're going to have some blessings, they're both the same kind of, um, you know, just, just do it. Three years ago on, on, this day when I decided or when I got that call that I was like, oh my God, my first client for $130. I mean, who knew where I was going to be in three years or that I would make this much money so soon? Who knew? And all the relationships that were coming to me, the way I would live and me moving all around and doing all these things and visiting all these countries. I mean, guys, it's amazing. What's in store for you on the other side of your yes? And if you're someone that's listened to this for this damn long and you're still listening, if you feel called to work with me, whether it's permission granted or working with me privately, let's do it. Let's figure out a way to make it happen. Reach out to me, message me, email me. I just know that we're all here to support each other. We don't have to do life alone. And that's the best thing. My mentors and teachers, I'm so grateful for them. My friends, people that support me through this path. I'm just so, so grateful. So say yes, do something big, scare yourself. There's nothing good happening while you feel average and comfortable and mediocre. You're built for more than that. You're made of something bigger than that. So test it out, play with it, see what's there. Ask the universe for this or better. What is your this? I'm opening up to this or better. Write it out today. I want you guys to have the best year of your life and it will not come without challenges because challenges shape us. I told you about the, the time when I was in Bali and I was like, I want to go home. I want to call this, this trip over right now. But what if I did? What if that was the case? I wouldn't have learned how to dig so deeply in myself and soothe myself and love on myself and, and, and tap into my own love. I also wouldn't know my teacher that I'm about to go back and spend time with. I wouldn't be going back to Bali. And I can't wait to go back. I know that there's some magic in store there. And I know it's going to change me as a woman, as a teacher, as a mother. So you never know what's on the other side of your discomfort. Let's just say yes to all of it. So I'm sending you so much love and blessings. Guys, get your tickets and come out to Harmonious Hustle Live. You will not regret it. It's so affordable. It's kind of crazy, but I also want it to be just the most impactful event that you've ever been to. And I say that knowing that there's some freaking amazing events out there, but there's no one doing an event like this for all these things. And I want you to experience it and gift yourself this gift. You deserve it. And if you want to do something even more big and bold, 
do the VIP, reach out to me for one of these programs. Let's rock 2019. Life surprise us. And there you have it, my friends. I want to know, what's your favorite takeaway from today's show? I love when you share your highlights from the show. Be sure to tag me when you share so I can give you a proper shout out. If you haven't already, subscribe. And while you're there, rate and review because your feedback, it really means the world to me. Until next time, remember to harmonize your hustle.